it's all the vampires saying his name over and over and Michael. over again every time they were Michael, Michael, Michael. Star, Star was always like, Michael. From Rosemary's Baby and Reagan McNeil to Jason, Freddie, and Chucky to Samara, Jigsaw, and Pennywise, we can't get enough. If it's blood-curdling, spine-tingling, breath-quickening, or soul-stealing, we are ready to watch it. Welcome to Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards. With me tonight are my two co-hosts, Anne Conley. Hey, guys. Good evening. And Helen Stewart. Hello. All right. For new listeners, this is going to be our format for this episode. First, I'm going to introduce the movie we'll be reviewing and rating tonight. Next, Anne is going to tell you what our recommended drink pairing is. Then we'll run through our expectations going into the watch. Next, we'll play the trailer and review the movie in roughly chronological order. After that, Helen will take us through our kill, chill, and thrill section. And finally, we'll wrap things up with our ratings. All right, well, tonight we are going to review the 1987 American horror comedy, The Lost Boys, directed by Joel Schumacher and starring Jason Patrick, Corey Haim, Kiefer Sutherland, Jamie Gertz, and Corey Feldman. The film is about two brothers who move to California to a fictional beach town called Santa Carla and end up fighting a gang of young vampires. The title is in reference to The Lost Boys in M.J. Barry's stories about Peter Pan and Neverland, who, like the vampires, never grow up. Most of the film was shot in Santa Cruz, California. The film spawned a franchise with two sequels, Lost Boys The Tribe and Lost Boys The Thirst, and a future television series. Tonight's drink pairing is none other than a home-brewed red wine, which if you have seen The Lost Boys, you know is very relatable to this movie because, of course, they drink blood in this movie that's supposed to be disguised as red wine. But what's so special about the wine that we're drinking tonight is this very wine was fermented by none other than Ray's father. That's correct. In a special wine cellar within his house. A little grotto, if you will. Very <laughs> sort of vampire-esque in some ways. Yeah, I mean, it's not as cool as that hotel that they're in, like in the sort of crevice of the, what's that, earthquake the zone? The, the fault line? Yeah, the fault the line. But uh, but yeah, no, he's got he's got a lot of wine down there, so. That's right. And then it having sort of the whole family relationship of, right, grandfathering us in to... The Ray's father special brew. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I also don't age and will never die. So, oh, you know, I that's, how, know that's, that how, that's how it works. I mean, contrary to how I look, actually. <laughs> <laughs> you mean you're stuck like this forever? Yeah. Uh, oh. <laughs> so there's no room for improvement. <laughs> no up no, or down. No yeah. up or down, though. I don't, I'm not going down, though, either. So It's, it's a gamble. All right. Okay, we're going to take a drink of this stuff and... See what we think? Yeah, so so enjoy this supposedly 2017 Merlot-ish vintage. It is light and grapey on the front and dark cherry on the back. Cheers. Cheers. All right. Well, next, let's go into our expectations going into the watch. Anne, your expectations. Oh, my gosh. I can't remember the last time I saw this movie. It was definitely a while ago. So, totally honest, I did not want to see this movie. I was like, oh, God. Lost Boys. Although the funny thing is, and we joke about Joel Schumacher, that I like Joel Schumacher's Batman because it's so eccentric. It's so ridiculous. So I'm not a Joel Schumacher hater, but I was just like, oh God, like this movie's, uh, and another vampire movie. But I'll say, I'll say, you know, we'll get into it, but I really enjoyed this actually, shockingly. Helen. I have seen this a couple of years ago and I remember not being impressed at the time. But I don't know if I was really aware of the time frame that it was made in because it is so very 80s. So I enjoyed it much better this go around. Yes, and I chose this movie to watch when we had chosen Flatliners a number of reviews ago. I kind of was uh, reintroduced to Joel Schumacher, not the Batman Joel Schumacher, who I hate and loathe, but um, sort of the pre <laughs> the pre Batman uh, Schumacher, which I actually came to enjoy through Flatliners. So I thought, well, we'll give Lost Boys a a chance. Uh, and and this was nipple Batman, right? This was Nipple Batman. Yes. I realize, I think we had this conversation in the last Flatliners. Yes. I mean, I mean, obviously, people know that I like nipples, obviously, from listening to this podcast, but not, but not Batman. Batman nipples. I don't need <laughs> Batman's nipples. So I'll take them. Just know that they're protected. 
<laughs> That's right. I guess. Extra yeah. protection. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, why don't you roll the trailer, Anne? All right. Here we go. Trailer time and action. Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. Brothers Michael and Sam Emerson travel with their recently divorced mother Lucy to the fictional small beach town of Santa Carla, California, to live with her eccentric father, referred to simply as Grandpa. Michael and Sam begin hanging out at the boardwalk, which is plastered with flyers of missing people, while Lucy gets a job at a video store run by a local bachelor, Max. Michael becomes fascinated by Star, a young woman he spots on the boardwalk, though she seems to be in a relationship with the mysterious David, the leader of a young biker gang. In the local comic book store, Sam meets brothers Edgar and Alan Frog, a pair of self-proclaimed vampire hunters, who give him horror comics to teach him about the real threat they claim has infiltrated the town. So this movie opens on the carousel scene. I don't know if you guys remember that, but you kind of have this weird, awkward, bleach-blonde Kiefer Sutherland stalking people on a carousel, because that's what I want to do on a Saturday night, is go with my homies and go stalk other women, children on a carousel on the boardwalk with 14-year-olds around. Like, really? That's how we're choosing to spend our Saturday nights? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, he was after that that woman and that guy, and I swear they were, like, in their 40s or something like that. Like, they looked a lot older than... Every other child on the carousel? Yeah, everybody else there. It was so weird, right? Yeah. What a weird scene. Yeah, I kind of thought, like, here we go again with this. Does he just really like to go over the ocean panning into something? Oh, yeah. Is this, like... Beyond Flatliners, is there other oh. movies where he just pans over water? I'm not sure, but <laughs> that's why I thought can. it felt like a sequel to uh, to Lost Boys. Right. I did like the lights from the amusement park that they're at, but who in the world is going to go have a like brawl on a merry-go-round? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. And then all I have is, oh my, the hair. Oh, and the jawlines. <laughs> I mean, you could cut yourselves on those yeah. chins that they had going on. They what? were sharp. <laughs> I mean, they were almost like caricatures of themselves. I mean, where do you even find actors like that? It's so bizarre. Yeah, no, I mean, they were definitely good 80 specimens of man, I think. The hair and the, the whole thing. I mean, I but you need that scene at the beginning because it, it kind of is them intruding on places they're not supposed to be within the boardwalk so that when they go into Max's store, you don't question why they're in Max's store right. because you've seen it at the beginning. If you don't have that, you may be like, why are they going into Max's store? Because they play it off like he's just kicking them out again, just like the guy was kicking them out at the beginning, but really... They're in on it together. Yeah, I just did not think that they played the hardcore badass teenagers. Not really quite sure how old they're supposed to be. Yeah, I'm, I'm assuming they're they're supposed to look like teenagers, but right. they actually are they're a little older. Bit older. Yes, you're dressed the part, and the hair was like I thought they were going to go 80s band, heavy metal music, rock star on the merry-go-round, but they didn't. They just caused a little brawl, and then also cool that Bill and Ted was. Whoever, which whatever one it was, was Bill. there. Yeah, it's it was Bill. Bill. Yeah, yeah, Bill was there. He makes a little showing. Party yeah, party. I know, right? Party on. <laughs> okay, yeah. So the carousel scene, I mean, to your point, Ray, I guess it definitely sets up sort of their characters and, and gives you context for the scenario, which definitely worked. But I, there was just something very awkward with the way that they approached it. You're like jumping right into it. I, I don't know. It just 
No, no, I, I, I get what you're saying, which is like it's out of context, and it's weird to start with the bad guys in some way that you're like, wait a minute, I don't even know what's going on, and now I got Keith, there's Keith Sutherland coming at me with this blonde hair. And so, yes, it's very it's very striking, I think, to open it that way. Yeah, and remember, what was it, The Void, um, where they start with that shocking scene of the kids running out of the cabin being shot or whatever. Like, we like movies with a stark, crazy opening, but this was just kind of like, uh, it was just weird, right, with like the little kids and stuff. But Yeah, I agree, and I think that a lot of times throughout the movie where there's supposed to be badasses, it fell flat, but mm-hmm. I don't know if maybe the 80s sayings were just that weak. <laughs> come at me bro yeah well well i do i do think that there is this sort of 80s machismo stuff that looking back on it doesn't look all that machismo, machismo. <laughs> i mean there's a lot of like men and big hair and and it's like at the time it was really cool and you look back on it you're like that's really flamboyantly effeminate looking kind of you know even though they have yeah. big muscles and you're like i mean it's cool i'm not saying it's you know, you can do what you want to do. I'm just saying at, the, at that time, they were using it almost as a very macho sort of manly thing. I, I think the Kiefer Sutherland does come off as being somewhat otherworldly, though, in this movie. And it's not just his mm-hmm. hair. I mean, his his voice, his acting style, like he did seem distinct from, let's say, the other vampires who just seemed like your basic retread 80s big hair guys. Yeah, I would I would say he I'm not sure he went far enough. Really? I thought I thought he did. I, I mean, I, I don't know. Some of those – he went enough for me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't need him more 80s, but more otherworldly. I mean, the other guys look like they were just drunk guys out of the 80s that were like his posse, so totally understand. But yeah. What I did really like, you know, moving into the beach town and to Helen's point with like the lights and the boardwalk, they did a really good job with those scenes juxtaposing the missing posters with the chaos of the boardwalk with, oh my gosh, when people are strange. I love that. And I love that they brought that back in the trailer as well. What a perfect song. So you have, to Helen's point, like you're, you don't have this rock and roll kind of soundtrack that you would expect with this or like a punk, heavy metal You've got this kind of poppy, like, throwback when people are strange. And then, again, you've got, like, boardwalk games going and people being happy and then people missing and chaos. And then, like, you know, these badasses, you know, just kind of skulking and weird people in mohawks and stuff like that. And it was funny because when I was down in Austin, Texas, and the big thing is, you know, keep Austin weird. And it reminded me a little bit of that because you're like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, you know, keep uh, Santa Carla weird. (laughs) type of thing but i thought that was a really good montage as with flatliners i think that he's trying to create this town that is an amalgamation of a bunch of different things right so it has these big hair band guys in it you know it's all these different kind of punk and it's the boardwalk where everyone's kind of melting melting potting melt potting i don't think that's the right word melding melding oh i like it melding where Where everybody's melding, I guess. And um, you make it sound awkward. I don't know why. Yeah, well, it sounds awkward <laughs> to me. But, but, um, but I think the music helps reinforce this sort of dark underbelly of what he's, he's trying to show you, right? Right, right. With sort of this. I mean, I think they probably could have done a little bit more to be like, uh, you know, you didn't interact too much with the tourists or see too much of the people actually having fun. The rest of the movie really kind of focuses around this family and then the conversion into you know, being a vampire and whatnot and that that world. But but generally, I, I just thought that lockup of the montage, like its own little mini music video within it was, was pretty good. But speaking of the 80s, oh, my God. I mean, the hair, the wardrobe. and I mean, it's like every stereotype of the 80s was jam-packed into five minutes in this intro, right? Yeah, that um, scene with that man playing the sax, sexy saxophone man Gyrating. is what I have. Yeah. Oh, sexy saxophone man. <laughs> with a chain he was necklace also sweaty i he, he was he was oiled i don't think oiled. he was just sweaty he was I mean, oiled yeah. that was his thing I, <laughs> I i have in my notes purple velvet pants chain necklace jerry curl hair wtf <laughs> <laughs> so if you look him up on wikipedia you will find a picture of him from 2016, and he looks exactly the same. No way. He has a long hair, ponytail, we saxophone. We, we Yeah, whole, we definitely need to. Thing. What's his name again? Sexy Saxophone Man? <laughs> All right. Well, we'll look it up Let's and post it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So this family, it's two boys and a mom, 
are coming into Santa Carla and you see like the big billboard saying welcome to Santa Carla or whatever. And yep. then you turn around and you see the murder capital of the world. So you already get from the missing children signs. I think there was like a UFO sign too. I, know, I noticed that too. Yeah. <laughs> out, yeah. So you're like, you're not quite sure what's happening, especially when you see the security guard going to his car late at night by himself and the top of the car the door rips off the yeah. door rips off yeah, for him. yeah he's ripped off while holding onto the car right door. <laughs> so you're like is it aliens we're not really quite sure oh, what it is, is just yet oh, um yes. and then yeah so they go and they to the grandfather's house and the grandfather is batshit crazy i like him he's like you my like favorite him? character in, in the movie yeah no he's he's actually the funniest thing in the movie to me he reminds me of willie nelson yeah, he does. Right. Just like cool guy. Just like he's like, I got you. I was playing dead on the front porch. Yes. <laughs> You're like, oh, okay. That's a thing. All right. And yeah. it's funny, apparently. Yeah. And the taxidermy. Yeah. The taxidermy was, I think, hilarious. Like, who who does that? I, I love that later in the movie becomes just a running gag and he's left his grandson like 15 of those taxidermies in his bedroom. <laughs> like the beaver was like – and then he just keeps showing him in the closet and he's like, there's space left for it. He has a taxiderm. Taxiderms. Taxiderm, Not really. Yeah. <laughs> Stuffed animals, we'll say. <laughs> Literally. You know, the thing I noticed about this movie this time that I never noticed in the other times I've seen it, and I've only seen it a few times, but is the relationship between – Sam and Michael when they first arrive at the house like it's very brotherly like they're very seems close mm-hmm. like when they when they're chasing each other down the stairs and then they open up the, the the door the sliding doors to the taxidermy room and they're like like kind of laughing at it and and Sam like leans his head into Michael's like neck and it's a very almost intimate sort of um you know, touch, I guess, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I thought that was interesting. And then when the grandfather has the uh, TV guide and he's talking to them about the TV guide and don't take the little, you know, don't take off the label thing. Like th- Michael is like, like touching Sam to annoy him, like putting his finger in his ear and doing stuff. And Sam's like, gr- like hitting his hair and, and like to have this whole like brotherly thing going on in the background that to me actually deepened the movie a little bit because it really is about the brothers. I mean, when you boil it all down, it's really about the brothers. And um, I don't know. I, I enjoyed that more I, than I think I did the first time I saw it. Yeah, I agree with you. I really I, – I only – this is my second time. But uh, the first time, I don't think I really picked up on it. But the second time with the – when he converts to being a vampire, almost being a vampire, you definitely see that change in the relationship. And I think it really emphasizes how strong that bond was. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, their relationship is definitely believable. I like this family nucleus. I like the mom too. Did you? You know what? I don't always love that actress. And maybe it's just because I haven't seen her in a while because she was in a, in a whole slew of 80s stuff. Yeah, she is. She was like overproduced in the 80s. But I haven't seen her forever. So maybe it was just nostalgic for me. Also, I feel like every character she plays is named Lucy. Again, <laughs> that's probably just <laughs> nostalgia. But I was like, really? Again? She um, looks like a Lucy. You can, you're like, oh, yeah, obviously yeah. Lucy. Yeah, yeah, and I can definitely see if we watched a bunch of, you know, Lucy movies, and is that Diane Weist? Is that her? Yep. Is that somebody? Um, if we watch a bunch of those back to that, I mean, she gets really annoying really quickly, but I thought she did a great job as, like, sort of the, you know, the simple mom that's trying to do the right thing and, you know, overly doting. Like, she played the character very well, Do you I know? Thought. Do you know how old she was, the actress was, in 1986 when this was being filmed? No. 40. Really? That's it. <laughs> it's not right. I- feeling like oh, oh, i'm almost there i was like I'm close i was like 50 yeah we but you don't up. have to worry Bray, since you don't age oh it's true i don't oh, age. right yeah. right right right. i always ageless. stay under 40 excellent so so they're 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 at the uh boardwalk and sexy saxophone guy's doing his thing which is the most 80s thing ever by the way and star shows up which you know girl ruins bro night literally bro night the two brothers hanging out yeah. and uh you know he's like drawn to her and then kind of fo- follows her follows her away and then what i thought let, was a- let, let's be clear mr machismo she doesn't ruin it it's the brother who then decides to ruin it by following her no it's true yeah no he he ru- he ruins it by by following her i agree with that but you're um, not sure not to interject but i am going to anyway you're not <laughs> sure if like because that was the plan for her to Seduce. Seduce him. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it was particularly him or just anybody. Mm-hmm. So you don't know if it's the vampire coming out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I do have a question around what the purpose for Michael was. 
because I think there's a confliction in the movie a little bit that I can't resolve. It might be a, a, a time thing because I think maybe when she was first trying to get him, it was for food, right? Like trying to hunt him as her first kill right, or whatever, yeah. choose somebody so for her first convert. kill. Mm-hmm. But very quickly, it becomes more about David trying to recruit him than anything. Right. And I don't know why because he's not special. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't know, but but in what confuses me, not to jump too far ahead in the movie, but but there's a scene where she's talking to Michael and he says, why didn't you kill me last night the night they had sex, I think is what he's referring to. And she's like, well, I was supposed to. You were supp-, She says, you were supposed to be my first. But like that makes no sense. He was already like a half a vampire at that yeah, point. Yeah, I mean, we don't need to jump that far. But, but yeah, I totally agree. That literally didn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, at this point, just going back to the star scene – you know, I totally agree, you know, whether it's a vampiric type of trance or if she's there to lure food or to recruit more vampires, whatever. But in this same scene, if you guys remember, she goes through the hall mirrors or whatever. She shows up with the kid at the end. Mm-hmm. Right? I literally have my notes like, what's with the kid? She literally pops back up and she's got like, you know, a, a five-year-old with her or whatever, four-year-old. I don't even know how old that kid is. Yeah. Little. Well, he pops back. Michael pops back up with Sam. After right, Sam is right. in the comic book store and he's given this comic book and then the very next scene he's with Michael like he never left him. So like I don't know if that was out. They, they edited it out of order and kind of put it together yeah, the, the, differently that. than they filmed it or intended it. I don't know. But what I'm saying is that she pops up with the kid like she has now gotten that child just then. Right? She's like grabbed, like abducted this child. And then that's the first time they drive off with the motorcycles. Oh, you think? So I, I, I didn't get that. I he was in, a missing yeah. child poster. Yeah, I didn't get that impression. He was, but I but thought was it was that later? later. Okay. Because that would make sense if it was later and she abducted him then. Yeah, yeah. but I, I didn't get the impression he was being abducted. I mean, he got on the, the guy put him up on that motorcycle. Like, that's not the first time he's put him up on that motorcycle right. before. And the kid just like got up on the motorcycle with him. So I assumed he was all, they were both already um, vampires. But I mean, Sure, there's nothing to say that that isn't the way it was. I kind of figured that, you know, I don't know if they recruited her because she's a female, she's like a mother figure, and she could obviously easily abduct children. Um, But that's sort of how I took it. You know, obviously, also, we've got to call out her, you know, 80s curly voluptuous hair, her Julia Roberts (laughs) hair going on, which mysteriously changed from one shot to the next. But you you can't control the curls, right? So I can totally appreciate that. (laughs) But it made sense that they would want to recruit her. Because you see those missing kids in the frenzy of the boardwalk. And she could very easily go up and say, oh, I'm so sorry, honey. Let me help you find your mother. And like, oh, just kidding. I'm going to eat you type of thing. Well, I mean, he doesn't get eaten. That's the weird thing, right? Like, you don't really – nobody explains exactly why they turned him into a half a vampire. Right. Well, I assume that because the chief vampire said that he wanted a family. So it's like he wanted the boys, like he wanted a daughter, and then he wanted like a little kid. Like he was creating a family nucleus. That's how I took it. Yeah, I guess, yeah. Which that makes is sense. Kind of why I think that Michael didn't get killed because I think there's must be a scene missing saying because Max meets the mom, which I don't know if I'm jumping too far ahead, but I don't know if then he talks to David to say, "Hey, like that's that's going to be part of the family." Yeah, I mean, obviously there's like a a plan that Max has going on, and right. there's somewhat of David's own agenda, somewhat of Max's overall plan working here. I, I feel like the point is that all that happens off screen, that you don't know what's going on, and that's the big reveal at the end. But yeah, I mean, it was a little like, you know, weeble wobbly. Yeah. You get at the end and you're like, okay, sure. All right. You wanted to just get that whole family. You know, we're just going to – I mean, who knows how long that guy's been alive? So this could be like his flavor of the week. I mean, we don't know. That could just be like his latest, oh, I see this woman. She's got some great kids. Let me make it like a little family and, you know – this doesn't have to be a century-old plan, per se. Right. Right? Mm. I do have a slight fun fact about that, that the end of the film was supposed to have a picture of Max in the 1900s mm. looking the same. So he's at least 85 years old. See, that's helpful. Like, I would have liked something contextually. You know, it's very you know, Shining-esque. Yes. Well, in, like, Interview with a Vampire or anything like that, mm. you see them through the ages. Right. Like, here you don't see any of that. Michael finally talks to Star and is approached by David, who goads them into following them by motorcycle along the beach until they reach a dangerous cliff, which Michael almost goes over. At the gang's hideout, a sunken luxury hotel beneath the cliff, David initiates Michael into the group. Star warns Michael not to drink the offered bottle, telling him it's blood, but Michael ignores her advice. Later on, David and the others, including Michael, head to a railroad bridge where they hang off the edge of a foggy gorge. One by one, they fall, Michael falling after them. So this is the scene with the... uh, with the Chinese food. Oh, yeah. And the maggots. And the wine. 
Yeah. And the wine and the, <laughs> the blood and the worms. Yeah. A- apparently, the maggots they had to spritz with lemon juice to get to them, get them to move. Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, they oh. obviously they don't move like normally. They just kind of hang out. Yeah. It's like yeah. mealworms. Yeah. They're lazy. And those worms were very squirmy. Did they squirt yeah. them with lemon juice? Right, I, I bet they know. did. Yeah, probably something. Probably, Wait, keep, probably couldn't do that these days. I was gonna say that's like animal abuse. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the interesting the interesting thing about that is they show this apparent power that these vampires have to suggest things. Um, although they didn't even suggest the worms, but they did mentally. I guess mentally, but like that power never is used again. Right. I movie. know, I know. I knew you were going to say that too. But it's, you know, it's an effect. It's in the moment. I thought it was okay. It was okay for that, like, particular what they were trying to do there. But I felt like the whole, I don't want to say tribe mentality, but, like, peer pressure thing. I didn't think that we went that far into the movie to feel like he had to follow them on the motorcycle unless this star connection was that yeah. strong. Yeah, or it, it, had to do the stupid thing of drinking the bottle of wine. I believe he was following his loins. I believe that's yeah, what he was wine, doing. Yeah, but the wine, and then she's telling him not to do the wine. Well, he does the wine anyway. But the food, I think, sets that up, right? That's the setup. The setup is... Hey, it's 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 maggots. Oh, it's not maggots. Oh, hey, it's it, oh, it's worms. No, it's not worms. Hey, it's blood. No, it's not blood. But, I'm not gonna but, fall for but that. But this is where oh, I, I feel like females versus males watching this have very different interpretations because the females watching it are like, "What the fuck are you doing?" Right? Like, don't be stupid. First of all, you shouldn't have right gotten all machismo and raced them off down the beach. Whatever, you're gonna see Star tomorrow night because these punks are on the boardwalk every freaking night. Right. You'll see her in 24 hours. Right. Right. So the women are like rational. They're like, just whatever. Go go home. Go yeah, to bed. You You'll don't see know next this thing. area. Why would you just go after them on a motorbike that, you know, sucks? Right. Right. Because it's such like a male thing. I believe the word sex glands was used in this movie. And uh, I believe that's the <laughs> yeah. whole reason. Yeah. He's following her. The sex glands? The and sex glands. The pheromones? Yes. The pheromones. <laughs> the undead pheromones at that. And then, um, of course, they get to the hotel where they're really doing the same thing. The whole thing's machismo. Well, it's interesting, though, because obviously at this point, uh, Max has told David, like, initiate this guy into into the, the tribe, into the family. But and in reality, like, like, they're not really bad guys. The vampires aren't really bad to him after he gets initiated. They're just trying to bring him into the fold and make him one of the family. And not even in, like, a like a negative way only until later on does one of their one of their vampires get killed that they're like all right now we're now we're going to go in and try to try There's to kill these other guys terrorizing when they're in the house and they're like going with the motorcycles and like the lights and all that, I feel like there's some sort of terrorizing going I think on what there. they're trying to do is draw him out and trying to get him into they want to show him what they are, you know what I mean? I'm right. I'm, I'm not saying it's not terrorizing. Mean, the railroad not- thing was like stupid. Well, once again, that's all about trying Machismo. to. That's I mean, all. I don't get that. But that's all trying to get. That's trying <laughs> that's to get him to embrace his power, though. And, you know and, what I mean? But that's what I mean. From the female perspective, we're like, none of this. Like, this is so stupid. I mean, I was so practical that when they're jumping down on that that train, you know, bridge, you're like, how are you going to get back up? Right. First of all, the shots were totally different when you're looking all down at them, like hanging in one small yes. space, and then you pan back, and they're like across the bridge. You're like, <laughs> okay, that literally didn't make any sense. And then you're like, explain to me how you think jumping down and just hanging down there, you're going to be able to what, like, do a pull up and come back? No. No. So the whole thing was machismo. But I will say you buy into it enough and it keeps moving. And to your point, Ray, it's this whole idea of becoming a vampire and the next step and will he learn how to fly? You know, if he falls, is he, you know, he's undead already? Like, is this, this is their hazing ritual to a certain extent yeah no that's exactly what it is and I, I appreciate the fact that he actually makes it all the way through the train and then just can't get himself back up on so that dumb. bar and you're like oh like, man swing your legs man you got it like has anybody here climbed a tree <laughs> like, come on well he's just only he's, trains he's, i guess bridges. he's just that his arms are that weak i don't know so uh, the interesting thing is he falls and I do. I will say the falling to me was less impressive than the other times I've seen it. Like he's like ah, ah and like kind of bending at the waist, sort of back and forth, and then he stops and he looks around. Then he goes ah, and like bends uh, over backwards, yeah. and you're like, okay, that's. that's I that's thought that was a Schumacher technique. It, no, that yeah. he was trying to be artistic somehow there. Oh, I, I, I agree. Dumb. I think it is, but I think it was a little. Uh, I, I didn't buy it as much. You know. I sure how to take that i I took it a little bit like you always kind of wonder during those falling scenes how would you react 
Would you scream the whole way down, especially when you're in an infinite abyss? At some point, you stop screaming because you've adjusted to the inertia of the fall. So, right, like you're, like you're in outer space. Like you feel like you're falling all the time type of thing. So, right, with zero gravity. Do you have experience with this? No, I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying like. I don't know. I've thought about that. Like if, you know, you're falling from like a plane or otherwise and like the difference with falling from a plane is that you see the earth rapidly approaching. Right. So that's terrifying. So maybe you would scream the whole way down. But if you are falling in a black hole where you can't see the bottom, you don't know how far you're going or like at some point you're just going to stop screaming, right? Because you're just like, well. Michael wakes up at home the next day unaware of how he got there. His eyes are sensitive to sunlight, and he develops a sudden thirst for blood, which leads him to impulsively attack Sam. Sam's dog, Nanook, retaliates, and Sam realizes that Michael is turning into a vampire by his brother's semi-transparent reflection. Sam is initially terrified of his brother, but Michael convinces him that he is not yet a vampire and that he desperately needs his help. Michael begins to develop supernatural powers and asks Star for help, but has sex with her shortly thereafter. Sam deduces that since Michael has not killed anyone, he is a half-vampire and his condition can be reversed upon the death of the head vampire. Sam and the Frog Brothers test whether Max is the head vampire during a date with Lucy, but Max passes every test and the boys decide to focus on David. So I thought after the dropping off the train thing that he kind of, like the ending is him falling into bed. Yep. So I don't agree with this. He wakes up unaware because like, I mean, maybe he does, but I just felt like you fell into bed. Not that there's an explanation as to how that actually happens, but whatever. The other thing I thought was odd was how old do you think Sam is and why is he taking all these bubble baths? Oh my gosh, the bubble bath. Oh, you know what I loved was Michael was like, remember to take your bath. Yeah. That was weird. And then I'm like, did he just say, remember to take your bath? Yep. Next scene, yeah, cut to Sam in a bubble bath. <laughs> yep. I was like, wait, what's happening? Yeah, but you know, I think that that's probably realistic. I mean, families, they're- For a 15-year-old to be taking bubble baths? No, I mean, he can take whatever he wants. He also has a pic- he also has a picture. <laughs> Ray of- is defending because he takes bubble baths. No. I think that's what's happening. That, no, I think no, that's he, what's he has a picture of um of what's his name up on his complete with the bubble beards. What's his name? George Michael. No, it's not George Michael, but that's who I thought it was. Oh, it's oh. um. I was just making Echo and the Rob Lowe. Man. Rob Lowe. He has oh, a, he's he had- Rob Lowe. Yeah, he oh. has a- right. I thought there was a lot of male pictures in there. Yeah, he has a picture of Rob Lowe up in his his closet. So no, I mean, he doesn't. That's sixteen candles, chick. No, it's not. It's Rob Lowe. <laughs> There's 16 candles? No, it's definitely uh, Rob Lowe. It's Rob Lowe. But there is Echo uh, and the Bunny there, Man. There is the 16 candles chick as well, but Rob Lowe's on the other wall. Okay. Facts. Okay. The what? Okay, Echo and the Bunny Man, who actually wrote The People Are Strange, uh-huh. is on his poster in his room. Oh, that's cool. But then the version that's played in the movie was written by... No, I lied. This is backwards. Jim Morrison wrote the original People Are Strange and Echo and the Bunny Man is on his poster in the room, but Jim Morrison's in the cave as a poster. Yep. Oh, yes. Yeah. Definitely. So it was like a little throwback to... Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, there was a lot of Jim Morrison action happening. Yeah, but there, well. I just thought there was a lot of photos of men. Yeah, the sexuality implications in this were a little weird and I would say unecessary. Yeah, for this time, I don't think we were really quite there yet. Yeah, and nobody cares what's that out going on face. with Sam. Yeah. yeah. But then I was looking at the colors of clothing. Yeah. Going to our fashion discussions that we mm-hmm. usually have. Mm-hmm. So I thought the early 90s, and I know this was 87, was more of that highlighter color, but I guess this was like breaching into it. I know California is very relaxed, so maybe it kind of happened there first and then traveled mm-hmm. over to the East Coast. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you're talking about like new wave in the early 80s and punk. I mean, I think a lot of stuff had neons and things in it. I don't it know. It was Phoenix, remember? Yeah. But I, I don't thought- know. 80s fashion is not my <laughs> super thing, but... <laughs> Location Phoenix, remember who was from? Oh, Phoenix. oh right, yeah, right, right, right. Fashion was very yeah, Phoenix, like, Phoenix is this forward. Star Wars. No, no, like, no, 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 no. Harry Potter, and not like the actor Phoenix either. But um, no, no, no. So what? What I was thinking of is well, actually, the more that I think about it, the more it actually kind of upsets me that I thought that they were really trying to stereotype him from the get go, and that was one thing that immediately I sort of had like a knee jerk reaction to that. You know they portray the younger brother in such a flamboyant fashion that he's got the ear piercing he's got the super high fashionista you know clothing throughout this i mean to such an overt extent and they make a joke about it the 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 frog brothers do yeah with that i don't want to call it a coat a robe yeah 
Yeah, I think it was a it was like a jacket layered on a jacket type of thing. Yeah, like he had a lot going on, and like I thought it was cool because you're like, oh, it's very MTV Talking Heads. I was right. like, oh, this this is cool. Like if you took him a second and looked at his outfit and deconstructed it, it was super cool. But then you've got like we were saying in the '90s, you have grunge. The Frog Brothers were more grunge. They've got right. their flannels, the camo. Yeah, they're a total opposite of him. But I was like, you know, you've got the guy with the spiked hair. He's bleach blonde. He's like talking with a little bit of a lisp. He has a pierce here. He's super fat. I just didn't like what they were trying to do with him. Of course, I love that actor and I love the character. So sort of my, you know, justice vigilante personality subsided, I think, as it went along. But yeah, I just didn't know what they were trying to prove with that. I didn't know exactly how old he was supposed to be in the movie. I kind of I assume that Michael is 17 because he's still in high school because uh, the mother mentions how they're going to go back to school. So I assume that the brother is at least three years younger than him. So I kind of was thinking he was like 13, um, not 15, because 15 seems like old enough that you're looking for girls or looking for guys if you're into that. But like he seemed old enough to that to me. But he was specifically like, "Hey, Michael, hey, don't don't look at that girl." Like, you know, get, get, you know, pay att- either pay attention to sexy saxophone guy. Maybe that, <laughs> maybe that makes more sense. Or he was right. just like, "Hey, we're together." And I don't think he was doing he that. He might I not think, be into girls. No, but I'm just I'm saying I think he was just like, "Hey, hang out with me. Don't go after that woman." And even the way he said, well, "You know, slave to your sex glands," like the way he was saying that, like, I felt like he was supposed to be portrayed as being young, pre sort of. Uh, sexual awakening if you will and i think his dress and like hanging up posters of guys that he likes like not sexually but just that he likes you know what i mean which he wouldn't realize that somebody might be like "Mm, you might not have rob lowe's poster in your thing but like he doesn't care the clothes he wears it's mtv he doesn't care yeah but but, okay so i i can see that where he's supposed to be younger than what he what he looks to me he looked like he was like 14 13 maybe 13 but Uh, was rob lowe a big hit back then what was he in yeah, Rob Lowe was big back in the 80s before he he did something, right? It was a prostitute or something like that. And that's how he fell out of fashion for a while. And then he came back. I mean, that's a, that's a whole thing. Right. So then they go down. They see the brother's half-transparent reflection, which was a cool effect. It was. Generally speaking. And then, of course, you're like, oh, also our, our buddies Edgar and Alan Frog. You're really waiting for them to make an Edgar and Allan Poe yes. joke there. Something. That was supposed to be a is throwback there, to him. Is there a frog Poe reference that I don't know? No. It'd be funny if their last name was Raven or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or like Telltale or just something. Or Heart. That's, yeah, that's yes. what I first thought. Yeah, Heart, yeah. Or just to Edgar and Allan Poe <laughs> brothers. Um, that they had given him the um, the comics, so he sort of knew what to look for. So I thought that was cool how they you know wove it all together. Although he's on the phone with them, and they're asking him all these other questions. The first and only question you need to know is, is his reflection semi-transparent? Yes. Okay, he's a vampire. Other people don't. Other people have bad breath. Other people, have, you know what I mean? Other people's reflections don't great. aren't transparent. Yeah, I mean. But he's 17 and probably kissing girls, but his breath is stank. <laughs> they had the best quotes in this. They had so many they funny really things. Did. Are there any jobs in this town? Nothing legal. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that one down right. too. Read the TV guide. You don't need a TV. I love that. That's the grandfather. Well, everything the grandfather said was funny. Like, uh, is about as close to town as I like to get after he t- starts his starts car up. Car and turns and it doesn't off. And turns it off. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everything the grandfather said was cool. Yeah, he was funny. To provoke him into killing, David takes Michael to stalk a group of beachgoers and instigates a feeding frenzy. Horrified, Michael escapes and returns home to Sam. Star arrives and reveals herself as a half-vampire who is looking to be cured. It emerges that David had intended for Michael to be Star's first kill, sealing her fate as a vampire. The next day, a weakening Michael leads Sam and Frog Brothers to the gang's lair. They impale one of the vampires, Marco, with a stake, awakening David and the others. But the boys escape, rescuing Star and Laddie, a half-vampire child, and Star's companion. Okay, so this is like we were talking about before. I just thought the star thing didn't make any sense. Either you're being converted into a vampire and you go out and you got to kill and eat somebody, which is what they do with Michael. I thought that made perfect sense. You've drank the blood wine, right? You've drank David's or I guess it's, uh, you know, lead vampire's blood at this point. And then you go out and you expect him to kill somebody. But then they circle back. So I thought that was, uh, uh, shockingly for this quality of a movie, Probably the only one plot hole that I thought just didn't make any sense. Yeah, I mean, the star thing was kind of the weakest part of this movie. Obviously, it lures Michael in, but ultimately, 
I feel like the more interesting part is David in the initiation and what Max's ultimate plan is, and also Michael fighting himself becoming a vampire, which I didn't really pick up much on the first couple times I saw it either. Like I felt like it was much more pronounced this time that he is, you know, he has the hunger and he's trying to stop himself from hurting his brother and he's really struggling with with all of that. Yeah, I wasn't sure how to interpret that if he slowed down his manifestation of a vampire or I really just took it as it just takes a little while to convert to a vampire. And even though they took him out to the campfire as his first kill, that was just like a test. I mean, it doesn't always happen right away <laughs> for somebody, but, you know, sort of like performance anxiety. <laughs> well, I mean, I, th- I think he... But he resists killing, right, when they take him out there. Yeah. So the whole point is for him to try to kill and to make his first kill so he becomes a full vampire. Like, he'll be a half vampire until he makes the kill, right? Right. And then, but I still feel like without the actual kill, he's evolving more and more into the vampire, right? So he kind of rages out at the end. It becomes more difficult to resist type of thing. Oh, yeah, sure. Yep. But also freaking Star, like, you know, if they want you to go become a full vampire, just go out to the boardwalk and go get somebody else and, you know, bite their head off or whatever. Like, it didn't make any sense that the whole Michael's sex, I should have eaten you thing. It just didn't make any sense. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Not the sexual way. Right. The vampire way. (laughs) I got you. Um, I also did not like the vampire transition where it was just i'm turning my face and i look back and it's just makeup i thought it could have been maybe a cooler effect i thought it was and i don't have the highest of quality of tvs but it was definitely obvious on mine that it was just not oh i don't know like that it was just crappy makeup did you watch true blood were you a true blood fan i watched it i wouldn't say i was a huge like a huge fan oh okay but did you feel like those effects were about like you like the animation of the face becoming a vampire? Yeah, I think maybe like the slow evolving instead of like <sighs> the obvious. I'm I'm normal. Turn my face. I'm now a vampire. Yeah. Well, you're about ten years too early for that in 1987 to get like a good. Yeah, but I felt like it. It just didn't morphing. stay for me. Like it wasn't like an effect where I said, "Oh, that looks real." I said, "Oh, that looks like makeup." You know, like I felt like it could have didn't, if they were going to turn their face and then turn back, I felt like they could have done a better job with the. You know, it's interesting you say that because I didn't think that the vampire makeup was horrible. Actually, I thought the teeth were well done. I thought Kiefer Sutherland's face as a vampire was eh, but but for makeup, I thought it was good. Right. Prosthetics and whatnot. But I actually felt like the filming and the transition to your point were kind of lame. Like there was probably a cooler way versus to your point, like. Look off screen. Look back. Voila! <laughs> I'm now a vampire. Like, that was a little gimmicky. Right. Um, you know, they probably could have creatively edited that differently. But I don't know. I thought the the makeup, the prosthetics were okay. Yeah, I mean, I had no problem with the contacts. I had no problem with the, the fangs or the makeup. My biggest problem with it was when they turned into the vampires, like, there was a lot of, you know, let's show our fangs and kind of t- spin our heads and do whatever. You know what I mean? Like, there was this weird way they filmed it. Except for Kiefer Sutherland, who had like a more serious sort of take in the shadows with his face and he comes out. Um, the other guys were still hamming it up from like right. an 80s sort of rock and roll right. hairband. I mean, the right. one guy when he's killing the people, when they're out there killing the, the beachgoers, like the one guy with the blonde hair, he looks almost like a lion. Right. He's this huge mane and like he, he almost <laughs> doesn't even look like a vampire. He's like some sort of weird raged out lion from yeah. Thundercats. That's a uh, <laughs> – oh, that would be cool. I was just thinking that was the Aquanet. In full effect. Oh, yeah. With the beach humidity. <laughs> Everything's just going wrong with the, with the uh, hair there. Can we talk about my favorite effect? Biting into that guy's skull. Yeah. And the squirting of the blood. That was crazy. <laughs> I mean, you could tell that the squirting of the blood was just off-center enough that it actually made that effect, you know, not believable. But it was pretty well done. Yeah, I mean, it was, I cut, got, it was cut quick enough, so it was all right. I got a good yeah. chuckle out of it. Yep. So, so they go down into the uh, hotel, and they, while Michael's getting the other two out, they stake Marco, uh, which I thought was a pretty cool scene, right? I mean, it's like the sort of Goonies investigative. They go down in there, and they, they find the vampires. I'm not sure why the other vampires took so long to get them. Like, they do right. a lot of, like, yelling and screaming at the bottom of there before they I guess you're escape. disoriented when you first wake up. 
I guess so. <laughs> well, and I'm assuming that there's some sort of like they're feeling his death in some way, right. some fashion. Yeah, I don't know. so it kind of delays you from reacting. I didn't like how they had them hanging from fat feet. Oh. Yeah, that was weird. You did yeah, not like that. I did. So like they look like people, but then their feet are bat feet. Well, maybe they, maybe their toes change just like their faces change. Yeah, I didn't think about the logistics. I'm not going to lie. Um, but th- it's funny you say that because I assumed, which we never, now that I'm thinking about, we never saw them as flying bats. We never saw them as their full flying bat form, which when they're going down and picking up people and ripping off roofs of cars, in my mind, I kind of imagine these big talons and the big wings and some kind of like human bat mashup, not the cartoons where they actually transform into a tiny little bat. Well, I assume these are like people because at the very end, when Michael and David fight, they're flying in the middle of the big room and they're not turning into anything. They're just flying. So I assume they were just looking like they normally looked. Well, yeah, but like also vampires have like super speed and stuff like that. So I thought like maybe he was just moving around the room quickly. I didn't right. assume that he was yeah, flying. Yeah, I agree with you, Anne. I feel like you can't really fly with just arms. Well, they were up in the air. Because <laughs> we would be able to fly if we did. Yeah. Have that I, I, I think they I think they fly like Superman, not like Oh. Not really? like a bat. Oh. I mean they're not oh. like But why do they have bat no. feet? That well, doesn't make sense well, with the bat feet. Well why do they live forever? Because they drink blood. Because it's mystical. Well, you can't drink blood and live forever. I mean I can drink wine and live forever, but No, I like the mash I like the I'm imagining like a man bat. Right. Yes, like like your yeah. arms get the stretchy skin so that you can fly better. Yes, because that's terrifying. And they're yes. clearly flying. Right. And if you already have the feet talons, you might as well have the hand talons. Yeah. Too. Yeah. No, I, I, I'm, I can't follow you guys there. <laughs> we're, no, we're, I, we're going there. I, I, I we, think, I think gone. it's, we're, yeah, we're I, there. I think it's pretty clear they fly at the end of the movie when they're floating there, fight with each other in the middle of the room, going around and around, and, um, and uh, I just think that's. But how I think flying. that's different. I just, yeah, I don't think he's taking his true bat form at okay. that point. I don't know. That's in my mind. That's how that worked. Okay. I mean, it's it, it would be terrifying, and I'm glad if that's the case, they decided not to film it because it would have looked bad. Oh, uh, yeah. It would have looked terrible, yes. yes. So. It, I, was but, like, I mean, this is a horror comedy. Yeah, it was definitely funny. I, I was yeah. the, the funny, laughing The funny is supposed to be because they went it to be funny, not because <laughs> things were so bad. Because so bad. That, yes, right. Not Birdemic yeah. funny. So <laughs> it was, we'll get to that later. <laughs> it was definitely very Goonies-like, um, like you're mentioning, right? You know, the kids on the bikes, very Stranger Things. The one thing I thought was also really hilarious was the glitter blood. Did anybody else? Yeah, no, I yeah. noticed that. Yeah, I noticed that. the Frog Brothers, they come out and like there's all this glitter all over them. And yeah. I'm like, what the hell is the glitter <laughs> for? Yeah, glitter blood. And did you know that vampires bleed glitter blood? That evening, while Lucy is on a date with Max and the grandfather's out of the house, the teens arm themselves with holy water-filled water guns, a longbow, and stakes, barricading themselves in the house. When night falls, David's gang attacks the house. The Frog Brothers and Nanook manage to kill one of the vampires by pushing him into the bathtub filled with garlic and holy water, dissolving him to the bone. Sam is attacked by Dwayne, another vampire, and shoots an arrow through his heart and into the stereo behind him, electrocuting him and causing parts of his body to explode. Michael is then attacked by David, forcing him to use his vampire powers. He manages to overpower David and impales him on the set of antlers. However, Michael and Star and Laddie do not transform back to normal as they'd hoped. Lucy then returns home with Max, who was revealed to be the head vampire. He informs the boys that to invite a vampire into one's house renders one powerless over said vampire, leaving them unable to exploit any weaknesses that the vampire has while there, explaining why their earlier assumption appeared to be incorrect. Max reveals that he has instructed David to turn Sam and Michael into vampires so that Lucy couldn't refuse to be transformed herself, as his objective has been to get Lucy to be a mother for all his lost boys. As Max pulls Lucy to him, preparing to transform her, he is killed when Grandpa crashes his jeep through the wall of the house and impales Max on a wooden fence post, causing him to explode. Michael and Star and Laddie then return to normal. Amongst this carnage and debris, Grandpa casually retrieves a drink from the refrigerator and declares... One thing about living in Santa Carla I never could stomach, all the damn vampires. Revealing he knew about the vampire situation for the entirety of the film. So one thing that I thought was absolutely hilarious is that these boys go into a church, interrupt baptism, I believe. Yep. Yep. Take their three canteens and fill it up with holy water, but somehow we have a whole bathtub. I know, right? I, I was dying. But then I was like, okay, let's just roll with this. They diluted it with normal water. Yeah. Can you do that? I and, don't know. And like you could, 
But it would just dilute the holiness of it, right. theoretically, does, right? Does it? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't we know. Should, we should get a priest evaluation. I mean... Because that would be significant dilution. Yes. I, it was a little ridiculous. And then, of course, that they're mincing the garlic, but then they dump whole, whole garlic. <laughs> I'm like, what happened to all the minced garlic? I know. You were working so hard on that. Whacking with the hammer. I don't know where you got that bag of garlic cloves either. That thing, that sucker is definitely It was like a 50-pound bag. It was (laughs) definitely BJ's bag of garlic. It was as big as Sam. (laughs) It was huge. Yeah, so they've got the whole training montage, right? Let's fortify the household. Yep. And all I can think is, why the hell are you staying in the same house? These vampires, first of all, these vampires are going to come back to hunt you. They know exactly where you live. So, oh, I don't know, let's just stay in the same house where we just were. You should have gone back and staked them again before the sun went down. Because you know that they couldn't come out in the sunlight in the first place. So instead of going there and trying to kill the vampires during the daylight, no, let's just wait around for another couple of hours and run around like crazy people and fortify the one household that where they actually know to go to find us. So not very good strategic planning on their point. But it did make a cool you know, little fortifying montage. And the interesting thing is that usually with vampires, you have to be invited to come in. And apparently these vampires didn't require that invitation because they just came in. Right. Um, Max got yeah, invited yeah. so that he could avoid appearing like a vampire, which is a slight variation on the rule. It's mm-hmm. not typical that that's what actually happens in normal mythology. Well, one could assume that... Um, you know, either two things. One, that there was now a vampire in the household. It was a vampire house type of thing. Maybe they don't require the same entrance. But also maybe since Max was invited, his family of vampires were grandfathered in. I don't know. Ah. Maybe. I don't know. I mean, they, they, there's no rule, it seems like, that they, he needed to be invited in at all. He just yeah. got invited in so that his And then he passed all the were... tests. So I was confused to how he passed all the tests. Because well, he was invited. I was that, confused that's, that's about that That's how he too. he passed the test because he was invited. That's what that's what he says at the end. Does he? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I missed that. Missed that. Yeah, so it wasn't that he needed to be invited in because he couldn't come in, as much as it was he was invited in so that he masked his vampireness. Well, both, right? I don't know. They didn't really say. He seemed very clever about that. I thought he pulled that off very well. I will say sort of like the long con with Max, you know, where they identify him from the get-go with the hounds of hell. Oh, yes, with the thorn. Yeah. And, oh, they typically, you know, keep this um, beast of burden to protect them during the day and so on and so forth. When I first watched this, of course, you're duped. You're totally like, no, that's not it. That's ridiculous. And this time I was like, huh. That actually has, you know, that definitely holds water. That right. actually makes a lot of sense. And then you wait, right, until they all the way get up there and they see his reflection and you're just like, okay, no. No, it can't be. It definitely can't be because you don't see any vampire's reflection. So that's why I was a little surprised. I mean, all these vampire movies, they kind of have their own rules. They kind of right. ascribe to what they want sure. to. Yeah, so, me- eh. yeah, I mean, I think the whole plot of like bringing, bringing Max in as the head vampire or, or them kind of testing him and kind of ruling him out early, relatively early in the movie was smart because then you're like, okay, it's David. Like you've, you're committed to that as a, as a viewer. And then he comes back at the end. And I think it genuinely is a surprise the first time you see it. I mean, obviously it wasn't a surprise this time because I already knew that, but. Yeah. I mean, I had forgotten because I'd probably seen this over a decade ago. But maybe sort of some synapses in the back of my brain were like, no, maybe he is the big bad. I don't know. But I, w- I thought it was a cool twist. I will say one thing. He definitely had some cool wardrobe as well for he being did, an older gent. <laughs> yeah. His like appearance in this was definitely with the glasses and the, I don't know, just how he carried himself was a little off that made you kind of suspect him. Yeah. So they fight and... David gets gored with these uh, antlers, right? And I don't know, Helen, if you have a fun fact about that. I have a fun fact about all the deaths. Okay. Well, then give give us your fun facts. Okay. So Edgar, the frog brother, foreshadows how the vamps will die, that some scream and yell, some go quietly, some explode, and some implode, which I thought was also cool. So David is the one that goes quietly. But I thought it was massively convenient that the way he gets killed with the grandfather running into the house with the car, he just miraculously falls into a fireplace and then all these flames come up. So I was like, thank God it didn't burn the house down. Did you have a different fun fact? I did, actually. Um, Technically, David doesn't die in this movie. 
Oh, maybe I did read that one. And he was supposed to be in the Lost Girls yes. the sequel. Yeah. Uh, and Oh, snap. Yeah. And uh, so he actually isn't dead, although it wouldn't make any sense why he would still be a vampire because Max dies and he's the head vampire. But maybe if you're a full vampire, you don't get to change back. Maybe you're still what a if, vampire. What if he wasn't his head vampire? Yeah. Oh, I don't, ooh, ooh, plot I, I don't know. And I'll, it's a woman. Yes. Girls. Oh, I love it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Joel Schumacher, come back and make that. Yes, we need to make this happen. Also, yeah. I didn't understand why he would die since he was impaled with antlers and right. not with wood, which yeah. was, I was like, that's not going to kill him. Yeah. But then he, yeah, sort of passed out and I was like, well, okay. Yeah, I don't know. I guess he had to recover himself from that, right? Like you have to heal. I mean, that's okay. So that's, maybe he that's passes totally out for that. Fair. Yeah. But, but then it, the flames thing. I don't know. Well, that was Max. Oh, yeah. well, well, that was Max, right? Oh, uh, that was it? Max oh, that gets yeah, it. I guess oh, right. I could yeah. use the two. Right, yeah. right. I mean, the funny thing about that is Grandpa, who's uh, put these uh, fence stakes in upside down just in case he has to, I guess, use them against yeah. vampires, uh, runs into them and like I assume at full speed because they fly into the house. Right. It was uh, miraculous. He, he doesn't seem concerned that his family's in there no. and he's just running right through the front like wall. And yeah, the only person that gets, of course, killed is Max. Okay. So I missed that because when Michael spoke to the grandfather, he was saying like, hey, go on this date to get him out. Of the way? Is yeah. that right. what was mm-hmm. happening? Yeah, with okay. the older woman. Okay, because I couldn't hear what had happened there, but I'm like, okay, I'm just going to assume he says, oh, you got a hot date with the chick and just go to her house and, you know, you guys can figure out the rest. And then it comes crashing in at the end and I was like, was there like a veiled, you know, implication to come back and like hunt off these bands? I was like, what? What happened there? Because he had to fortify that whole car. I was like, the entire time he was at this, you know, other woman's house, he would have had to been like... You're strapping all these, you know, logs to his well, vehicle. Well, I assume, I assume he, well, he was putting those in the ground upside down. Right. With okay. the pointy part. I think Michael, part, like, touches it, right? With the pointy part going, you know, sticking out. Right, and so which the was impli- weird and comical. Well, the implication is he hit them and, like, projected them into the house. Oh, I did not, not get that Not that he was, all. like, strapping them to his car because they were all flying out. Yeah, I guess I thought that the car was close behind that it was just... Not necessarily it, it pushed them. projectile, but pushed them through yeah. to the house. Oh, I didn't get that at all because yeah. I thought that the layout of that um, fence where they were was a significant distance well, that, from the house. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. It's weird. But, like, that's that's the implication since he's sticking them in there upside down. He's not strapping onto his car, you know? So weird. The one other thing I'll say that I appreciated about Michael's character is even when he kills – or doesn't kill, whatever, David – and he and um, he and Star are standing there, and Sam comes downstairs, and he's like, "Don't let them see me like this." Like he's very, I, I, there's very much like a, I'm not a, a, a person. Like the, and I don't know if it's because we're just so used to vampire movies, but it just seems like that's something we don't get in vampire movies much anymore. Everyone's just completely okay with being vampire, but I appreciated it in this movie that he was not okay with them seeing him that way. Agreed. Yeah, I thought that was unusual. You don't typically hear that. And that that he was very cognizant of protecting, again, his younger brother. Came back to that. Yeah, yeah. And his brother even says to him when they're going to go down into the into the vampire's lair earlier in the movie, like, I'll protect you this time if you're not strong enough. Yeah, the the brother bond was strong with this one. All right, so is that it? Are we are we good? I think we're done, For though. the review? I have, like, two more fun facts. Okay, Ooh, fun, yeah, fun, fun facts, facts and then go right to Kill, Chill, and Thrill. All right, so the original screenplay was centered on fifth and sixth grade kid vampires. Oh, yeah. So, right? Joe Schumacher said, that's not sexy enough. Oh, I, I need me some you know, you uh, Batman be able nipples. To, yeah, well, that and like the sexy saxophone, man. You wouldn't be able to put that in there. Fifth and sixth graders are going to go see that. No, and the whole thing would be very Goonies, Stranger Things-esque. That's, exa- right. that's exactly what he was going for. Star was supposed to be a boy, so like that whole relationship wouldn't have happened. Well, what? Although, although probably still named Star. Yeah. And no sex happening. I'm and assuming. do you want to guess how many times Michael was said throughout the filming? A lot. Wait, throughout the film? Like throughout Wait. this movie? Yes. In the movie. In the movie. Michael or Mike? Michael. Because they also use Mike. 54. Higher. No. Yeah. 73. 118 times. No. Oh, wow. I was like, I, that makes sense because I got a little. There's a lot of After Michaels. A while, I was like, oh my God. That includes the Mikes. It may be, but it no, says Michael. It's all the vampires saying his name over and over and Michael, over again every yeah. time they were like, Michael, 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 Michael. Star was always like, Michael. 
<laughs> just like that. <laughs> just like that. So do we want to move on to kill chill and thrill? <laughs> so for kill, we kill whoever we find annoying, which, oh man, this one's going to be fun. Chill is who you want to hang out with, and thrill is who you want to have crazy, crazy sex with. Wee! <laughs> How about you start us off, Ray? All right, so who would I kill? I am going to kill Sam. I kind of found him to be a pretty annoying character, <gasps> uh, even though he's one of the brothers. Oh, that's not right. Yep, so I'm going to kill him. That's who am I going to chill with? Grandpa, obviously, because Grandpa is freaking awesome. Uh, even though we would never go into town, we would hang out. That'd be cool enough for me. And who would I thrill with? This There's really not a, <laughs> a lot of options here. I am going to go with Lucy. The mom? <laughs> yeah, the mom. Why not? I mean, a little, <laughs> little good down home doing it. I mean, you know. Down I'm, home I, doing it. I mean, considering I, I'm almost her age. I mean, I'll never reach it because I don't age, but like I'm almost there. So, sure. Let's go with Lucy. Let's see how that works. <laughs> oh, all right. That was fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's an eye opener for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and how about you? All right. All right. So we're doing kill first. Uh, who would I kill? Um, I, I'm going to kill Bill uh, from Bill and Ted. I'm, I'm, he was my most annoying vampire. I didn't like what he looked like. I didn't feel like he fit in with the gang. His hair was straggly. So bad. So bad. The Jerry Curl mullet pushed me over the edge. He is definitely donezo. Who would I chill with? I- I'm going to chill with our sexy saxophone player. <laughs> Just because, you know, I, I got to know, how do you get guns like that? And Somebody's got to rub the oil on it. <laughs> <laughs> I just think, you know, it would be an interesting 30-minute, you know, couch conversation. On on it? I mean, using I guns. I mean, it. guns. <laughs> I don't know what you're rubbing the oil on. <laughs> I mean, it was all over. It was not just the guns. It was the hair. It was his entire body. But Upper I did not torso. mean to say it. I meant to say him. Um, and then lastly, who would I thrill with? Uh, all right. I- I'm just going to go with our pretty boy, Michael, uh, Jason Patrick. All right. So I'm just going to kill Star because there's something weird going on with her jaw. She was my second pick. I don't know what was happening. So for chilling, I was going to hang out with the Frog Brothers because I thought they seemed pretty fun. And for thrilling, it was Michael before the piercing because that was god awful. Oh, I know the earring that mysteriously appeared yeah, out of nowhere. Yeah, tangling earring. I was like, I get that it was the '80s and it was you know saxophone, sexy man probably had one. I don't know, but don't you start off with a stud first? Like, I don't, I don't know. All right, I'm, I'm finished. Okay, so. all right. Well, <laughs> uh, only the best movies make it to the top of the hill, and to be the best, they have to perform in three categories. First is the technical composition, which represents how well the movie's made, including the script, directing, cinematography, acting, and effects. Second is impact, which represents how well the movie accomplished its emotional intent. Was it scary? Was it funny? Did it make you question mankind or the nature of your reality? And third, enjoyment, which is pretty simple. How much did you enjoy watching the movie? Would you watch it again? Do you never want to watch it again? Our, our rating scale goes from 1 to 10, with 1 being the worst and 10 being the best Okay, and why don't you give us your scores? All right, so for this movie on technical, I gave it a seven. You know, I didn't think there was anything that was over the top amazing about it. I thought that the effects that they set out to do were relatively well done. I thought, like I mentioned, the makeup and the prosthetics were okay. The half reflection, double exposure, however they did that was okay. The blood spurting and gore scenes were okay. Um, I wasn't offended by any of the effects, so I thought that was decent. Um, like I mentioned, there was sort of, I thought that one plot hole was star. Um, but other than that, it, it was all right. Um, for impact, I actually bumped this up to a seven. Um, originally, I was very much like, eh, I don't really know. But, you know, I enjoyed it. I thought it was a good period piece for the 80s. And for enjoyment, um, going into this, I was probably about a two. I mean, I was really like, I don't want to watch this. But I actually really enjoyed this. Again, I think maybe just nostalgia and it being a period piece. And I would totally, shockingly, watch this again. So I also gave that a seven. Helen. For technical, I gave it a six. I yeah, It was all right with the effects and all that. For impact, I gave it a five. I thought it was funny. I didn't think it was scary. So I gave it halfway. For enjoyment, I gave it a five. And mostly it was the nostalgia portion that we talked about. I love the gigantic watch clock in sam's bedroom i don't know if anybody caught that 
Also loved the, oh my God, I need to hurriedly dial somebody on the rotary phone because we all know how, I don't know, I grew up with one in the very early stages of my life, how horrible it was to try to dial someone on that. So I thought that was kind of cool to see all the 80s stuff kind of come back and the stupid phrases that they use that were like dead meat, you know, that was supposed to be badass. (laughs) (laughs) Um, For a technical composition, uh, I give this movie a six as well. Um, I thought it was well put together, not as much as, say, Flatliners. I thought Flatliners was a superior movie, but it, it was nostalgic. It was good. As far as impact, I gave it a five, middle of the road. Uh, it was had funny parts. It was not entirely scary. What impacted me most about the movie this time was the relationship between the brothers, which I thought was a lot stronger than what I had previously thought when I had watched it before. And for enjoyment, I gave it a seven. I enjoyed this movie. I would watch it again. It's the type of movie I think you could put on and just kind of like watch as you're folding clothes. It has some good vibe to it. Uh, has a good soundtrack. All right, Anne, why don't you crank the numbers for us? All right. So scoring the Lost Boys, Ray, you gave us a solid six. I gave it a seven. And Helen, you came in at the bottom of the pack at a 5.33, which brought this movie to a grand whopping total of a 6.11. Yeah, which puts the Lost Boys at the number 10 spot of the 20-some movies that we've currently reviewed, uh, right below Flatliners, funny enough, and right above REC. I think Joel Schumacher, he's pretty consistent then. (laughs) I enjoy this more than Flatliners, personally. Like, I would watch this before I watch Flatliners again. Yeah, I agree. I think it's a more enjoyable movie. I don't think it's a better movie. I agree with what you're saying. Yeah, just the, the I think the storyline is more interesting than the Flatliner storyline. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this podcast, help us grow our audience. Rate and review us on iTunes, and please share with your friends and family on Facebook, Twitter, and other social media platforms. Give us a shout-out to tell us how we're doing or suggest movies to review. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter. You can also email us at hosts at hth at gmail.com. I want to thank you for joining us for this episode of Hilltop Horror Movie Reviews. I'm your host, Ray Richards, and on behalf of my co-hosts, thank you for listening, and I hope you'll join us next time.